Carol loves 24 because she doesn't have to behave a certain way here. Lee loves 24 because it's the only place that he's not expected by Carol to behave a certain way. So that's, uh, that's good stuff. Appreciate them sharing uh, all of that. Um, our ushers are actually going to come and uh, pass out uh, these little booklets, and I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about those here in just a little bit some. Uh, and uh, today we're starting into uh, what we're calling the Worth It Initiative. And, uh, you know, if, if you're visiting with us, uh, we're, we're kind of jumping into something as a church here today. So uh, take, that, take that to heart. Uh, we'll be talking about money and some things today, and we don't talk about money a whole lot, but uh, you have to talk about it sometimes, and, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but uh, we're, 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 we're being, being called. We're being called to do things uh, that God is calling us to do, and, and some of that requires that. And so uh, we're excited about what God is doing, and, uh, and if God is leading you to uh, see this as your church home, then uh, all the all the more power that uh, you get to you get to hear about this today, and uh, and uh, hope that uh, hope that you do. A um, couple things that I want to make mention of uh, as we're uh, kind of before we jump into this this morning uh, is that um, one of our one of our guys here at church, Chris Miller, uh, has started a food truck. Uh, you may have saw seen it outside. Did you see it outside? Uh, when you were coming in, did you see a bus out there anywhere, like a school bus that was painted black? Okay, looked like a prison bus. There you go. Sure, he'll be glad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris is kind of like somebody you would meet from prison if you get to know him. He's 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 an he's he's an amazing, interesting person. Uh, actually, uh, incredible, incredible guy. Uh, Chris has uh, Chris has been working for over a year now uh, to try to turn this bus into a food truck that's going to support him and his family. Uh, and just this week, they got finally, he has worked and worked and worked, uh, and they have finally got uh, all approval that they are good to go, health inspections and all those things. Uh, he was going to be uh, serving the Habitat crew, which was going to be working on a Habitat house today during our morning services. Uh, we had a crew of people. Uh, you were one of those people supposed to be there, I guess. And, uh, and so um, you were there and you all got rained out. Yeah, that's what I heard. So yeah, yeah. Where's everybody else at? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna guilt them to death. Let's get a list. Let me know who all didn't show up. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, so he was good. Yeah, so he was gonna feed them lunch today, uh, and because he'd already been preparing to do this and kind of thing, uh, he and Joey got to talking, and they they conjured up an idea of you know, well, what if uh, what if we just had him. Uh, here after the services today, and anybody that's leaving after first or second service uh, can grab lunch if they want to. Uh, their thing is uh, his thing is Philly cheesesteaks. Uh, he's from that area. He's it's authentic. It's the real deal. All that. So he's out of them. He's already run out. Well, there you go. So well, so so twofold. I was gonna say, well, you can go, and then whatever uh, he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna donate. Uh, the money to uh, the Worth It initiative, uh, and so uh, awesome of him to do that, and I guess everybody bought him out after the first service, no surprise there really, since he was only expecting to feed like 30 people, not, you know, three or four hundred. Um, and, uh, but anyway, uh, the other thing I was going to make mention of is, uh, man, I, 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 we don't even have the time for me to tell you the stories of what they've been through as a family for them to get to this point to see this come to be a reality and uh, if, if he is here, if they are still here when you get out today, uh, I would just encourage you uh, 
uh, because actually I, he, he kidded about driving it last week, and I thought he was joking. Uh, I think he did drive it last week uh, to church because his car is broke. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I had thought to myself about asking him to drive it up here uh, just for our people to like walk by the thing and just be able to pray and pray over it and for his family and, and that the Lord would take care of them through that. Uh, it's it's been, a bit, been a big stepping out on faith for them to do this. And so uh, it, whether it's out there or not, you can pray for Chris and his family. Uh, Andrea is his wife and their boys. Uh, Devin and Ethan, uh, they, they, I know that they would appreciate that. Uh, they're, they're a part of our family, and, and we're family, and that's what family do is we're here for one another. So uh, be praying for him, and if you see us, you can follow his thing on Facebook or whatever. Cheesesteak Academy is the name of the thing. You can follow it and share it or, you know, whatever, tell everybody to go buy sandwiches. So maybe he'll run out every day. So maybe that's a, that's a good sign. So, But uh, anyway, uh, the other thing that I wanted to make mention of, um, and this is the harder of the things, um, is that this week we lost uh, one of our ladies here at church, uh, Jennifer Hunt. Um, and uh, if you knew Jennifer, uh, then you knew uh, that she was somebody who served others, did for others constantly, lived her life doing things for other people, uh, and especially for her family. And uh, uh, she was 46. This was unexpected. Um, we, uh, she's an, uh, she wanted to be an organ donor. In fact, Jeff and I had this uh, kind of funny conversation in the middle of a serious moment where he, he, he was asking me what I thought about it, and then I said, well, I think it's a good thing. And he said, he said well, <laughs> we just were, were talking about it like a week or two ago while watching TV. Something came up about organ donation, and, and he said something about, uh, well, if uh, God wanted you to donate your organs, organs, they'd be detachable or something like that, making some joke or something. And she was like, you're just mean, you know, you could help all kinds of people if you, so, you know, he's looking at me and I said, I think she's spoken. And, uh, and he said, yeah, she has. And, uh, and so because of, because of her being an organ donor, uh, it's going to be a couple few days or whatever before we know the details of what's going to be going on for the funeral uh, and everything. But uh, I just wanted you guys to know that we will announce that as soon as we know that uh, we do fully expect to be very involved uh, in uh, all of that, uh, and we'll be looking to the church uh, to minister to this family and to their loved ones. Uh, there's going to be, I have, I'm not sure, funeral may be here, if not, probably across the street, I have a feeling it'll be here. Uh, we're going to have a huge opportunity in front of us uh, to minister to a lot of people, and a lot of them being people that probably do not know Jesus uh, in the days ahead. And so uh, I just pray. Pray, pray for Jeff, uh, their kids, Danielle, Bronson, Peyton, Rhett. Uh, there's two little grandkids now, uh, Danielle's kids. Uh, you know, just, just be praying. Praying for this family right now. Uh, and uh, and pray, you know, pray, pray that we can be the church that God has called us to be, to be their family during this time. I think that that is, uh, is very important. I think we, we all know that. We want to do that. So uh, may God lead us to that. In fact, why don't, we, why don't we do this? Let's pray. Let's pray for them right now. God, we, we just ask that you would just have your hand on this family uh, during this moment. Lord, be with, uh, be with Jeff. Uh, be with their kids uh, in the midst of this. Uh, God, uh, we, we can't imagine the hurt and the pain that they're going through right now. Uh, God, we just pray that you would use us to help bring comfort, for them to feel love, for them to know that we are here um, God, use us to minister to them, to minister to others. Lord, 
Uh, may the gospel be heard uh, through this. God, I know that Jennifer would want would have wanted that. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that we have the opportunity to serve them and serve others as she uh, served so many. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for her, for allowing her to be a part of our lives. Um, God, lead us in the days ahead uh, to be your hands and feet in this situation. Lord, we love you and we thank you uh, for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, um, so uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, let our ushers bring you a Bible. We would love for them uh, to do that, uh, love for you to have one. If you don't own one, uh, we would like for you to keep that one. Consider it a gift. We'd like for you to take it uh, and consider it your own. Uh, if you just need to borrow it to follow along, that's fine too. We're going to the book of Nehemiah today, uh, Nehemiah, and uh Nehemiah is, uh, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love Nehemiah. I love the story of Nehemiah. And, uh, and maybe this is kind of giving it away a little bit on the front end, but you know, really the story of Nehemiah is really a story of someone that we see um, trusting in God's faithfulness. Uh, you know, when, we, when, when I think of Nehemiah, I think of all of the moments in which he came, had so many things come against him uh, through the process of trying to do what he felt like God was leading him to do, but, but believing and trusting in those moments when literally he's being attacked. Literally, literally he knows that there are armies that are about to come against him, and he trusts in the Lord over and over and over. Man, I, I wish, I wish that my life looked like that, you know? I wish that there was never a moment that, you know, I didn't trust in the Lord for something, you know? Uh, and the truth is, is that that's a struggle for all of us. We all struggle in, in big and maybe small ways uh, to trust that God is going to be who he says he is, do what he I mean, the moment that we start to worry is the moment that we're not trusting God, right? I mean, that's, that's really you know, what it comes down to. Because if he's over all things and we believe that and uh, trust in that, then we will never worry again. Uh, but the truth is, is that we're humans and we're sinners and we struggle with those things, and that's okay uh, because we have his grace and he loves us. And, and it's just every one of those moments is a learning moment uh, for us to, to see even more and more uh, what it looks like to trust in the Lord. Um, so, uh, you know, with, with the story of Nehemiah, the reason I, I want to do that, I want to talk through Nehemiah. We're going to be talking through Nehemiah for several weeks now, uh, taking a break from Mark. Uh, you know, but as as we as we talk through this and we and we see this story, uh, I, I, I'm, I want us to be reminded of God's faithfulness. I want us to be reminded that when God calls us to do something, that he when he leads us to do something, he he, he doesn't fail us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't you know I mean he he's there and and uh, and he's and he's true to his to the things that he calls us to. Uh, and I've seen that in my personal life. I've seen, I see that all through Scripture, and especially uh, in the story of Nehemiah. Uh, you know, for us as a church, you know, we're we're in what I consider really a new a new season of ministry. Uh, you know, and, and you could and we could say we're in a new season of ministry because the church has grown and grown and grown to 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 where it's it's growing right now. Uh, and and even in your book or whatever, there it's got a there's an average in there, but the the average that's in that book is actually not the average we've seen here in the last. A month or two. I mean, it's it's just amazing. You know what God is doing. It's amazing, uh, and 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 it's Him. It's not us. It's Him. Uh, and and for us 
to think about this new season of ministry thing. You get you you to make it about, you know, that we're growing bigger or whatever that is, and that's great because we want, we want as many people that can to hear the gospel and uh, make, obviously, to make disciples and worship God. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's our calling. But there's also this understanding that the culture around us has changed a lot and that even it leads us to see that we have a new season of ministry in front of us. What I mean by that is this. If we say that this is the mission field in which God has called us, then we can't ignore the problems and the issues that go on in our own community. We can't ignore things. We can't ignore poverty. We can't ignore drug problems. We can't uh, ignore you know, whatever it is, whatever the needs might be. We can't ignore those things. And, and God has placed us here to create opportunities for us to minister to those people. And, 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 and without a doubt, let me just say, if, there's any, if there is any doubt, this is our mission field. This area is our mission field. Cheatham County, Robertson County, Nashville, Clarksville, the 24 corridor, the whole, the, that, this, whole, this whole area, this is our mission field. This is where God has placed us to invest in the lives of people, our neighbors, the people that he's going to move in, the people who are going to build houses, the people that are going to buy our houses when we move or whatever it is. It's all opportunity for us to minister to these people. God has called us since day one to glorify him, to make him known, to be called to a people, and we are called to a people, and that is this mission field. You ever have this question, you ever ask yourself this question, what's next? What's next? That's a, that's a pretty deep question when you're asking it about big life things, like what's next? What's next for my life? What's next for ministry? Uh, you know, and, and if you've ever been a leader in any type of organization whatsoever, uh, if you, even if you've, if you've, whatever, if you've led, you've, you've um, whatever, you, just, you, you come to moments along the way where you find yourself asking the question, what's next? How do I know what's next? How do I know what God is leading me to? I've, I've been in those moments before. In fact, I've been in those moments and been incredibly frustrated at times. Uh, you know, where, you know, you, you just, you feel like God is wanting to do something. You know, for us, the church, you know, uh, you know, just even a couple of years ago, we were really, I was personally really struggling with like feeling that God was leading us to minister to so many of these people with so many of the problems, some of the things that we were just talking about and many other things too, uh, that, you know, we're like, okay, God, you're, you're leading us to, you know, enact change to minister to these people to help them with some of these things. But what do we even do, God? I mean, what, what's that even look like? I mean, it's easy to talk about stuff like that. It's easy to be a part of a church that talks about doing stuff and talks about trying to reach people, minister to people. But what does it look like for us to be doers of the very thing that we're called to do? And I, I know I personally struggled. And I think probably we as a church even struggled and, and just, you know, what, what's that look like? And I'd, I'd, I'd get up on Sunday mornings and I'd talk about, you know, God's called us to, to reach these people and help these issues. And people come to me, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm your leader. <laughs> you know, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, I felt like, man, I'm, I'm terrible. This is, I'm terrible at this. Somebody else should do this. So, and then after just 
trying to listen to the Lord and praying, uh, one day I had a dream. And I've talked about the dream. The dream's in a message. You can go listen to, uh, it's called A Puzzle in a Dream on the podcast or whatever. And I won't, I won't tell you everything about the dream because you can go hear it. Uh, but I want to give you just a little bit of understanding with it is that basically I had an actual dream one night. It's not something that I can say has really ever happened to me before. And in the dream, the things that happened, that when I woke up and recounted the dream as it had just happened, I could not deny that God had clearly given me, us, I felt like, clear vision of like what it looked like to see us begin to minister to some of these people in some of these different ways and some of the things that he was calling us to do. We were struggling at that moment, not just in how to minister uh, to some of these situations, but also how, uh, how to continue to grow as a church when we didn't have office space and you know, other things along those lines, uh, seeing other needs in the community within uh, families, uh, needing help in, in different ways. And, 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 and so in the midst of this dream, I woke up and by the end of the dream, it was like, it was just like, it was just all mapped out. It's the craziest thing that's ever happened in my life, I think. God helped us, helped me to see some things about myself, but also some things that we could do that were just so plain in front of us. We were already talking and looking at trying to build onto our building and to build some offices, but we'd been talking about looking at building kids space as well and what that would look like. And as we began to talk about building more kids space, it became evident that uh, God wanted us to reach out, not just to bring more kids to church and more people to church, but to literally go and get people, bus ministry, and make them up, bring them in to be a part of our family. You know, and that, those are two different things. You know, it, it's, it's, I'd say it'd be not too hard to just have a bus ministry where we just go get people and bring them. I mean, there's work involved with that, surely. Uh, but, but it's a whole other thing to see it as we're not just getting people to come to church to pad the numbers and make our church bigger, we want to minister to them, and we want them to be a part of us. We want them to be a part of this body. And so as God continues to lead us in this, and we've been stepping forward and stepping forward and stepping forward, he's led us and led us to a plan that we've been talking and praying over and working on for over a year now, where we will build on to the end of this building, going that way, an extra little over 6,000 square feet uh, that will give us office space, will give us more kids space, um, and in doing so is going to allow us uh, to minister uh, Lord, to uh, folks that we're talking about. If we, we just took the bus and the van and, and just started going and getting people right this second, our, our, you know, our kids' ministry is not ready for that. I'll just be honest with you. We, 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 get, we get busloads of kids, and we come dump them on our kids' workers right now. Our kids' workers would probably come in here, and they would pull knives on us, and they would want to kill us, okay? Like, we're, we're just, we're not, we're not ready for that. We need more kids' works. We need more space, you know? And, and, and that's, just, that's just part of it, and that's okay. That's okay. These are good problems to have. But it was all, all answers to prayers in the way that God communicated that to us. So, 
in the moments ahead, we've got this call to a people. One of the things that I love about Nehemiah is he has a call to a people. He has a call to a people. In fact, we see Nehemiah getting word about his people and about what's going on back in back at home, so to speak. I, you know, I don't know if you're if you're from this area. If you're not from this area, then anytime you hear about where you're from, you're you're always interested to hear about where you're from. If you're not from there, and, and even if you still live there, you hear something on the news. You're like, oh wait, wait a minute, talking about Pleasant View. Let's see what they got on the news tonight. You know, kind of thing, right? Uh, well, I'm from a little town in, in uh, western Kentucky called Princeton. Now, I haven't lived in Princeton since I was 12 years old. But I still keep up with people from Princeton, still love a bunch of people from Princeton. And if I hear about something from Princeton, you know, I mean, you know, my ears perk up. I'm like, oh, Princeton, nobody ever talks about that. Let's, 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 hear, let's hear what's going on. Or if I, you know, if I see somebody, if I, if I see an old friend or somebody from Princeton, you know, first question, well, how are things in Princeton? Not a lot going on in Princeton, by the way, you know. And so I'm like, how are things in Princeton? And I usually get some kind of response like, well, you already know pretty much the same. It's always Princeton. I'm like, okay, that's what I figured. You know, it's kind of, you know, always kind of the same thing. And, uh, but you know what, if I heard something bad had happened in Princeton, especially to the town at large, to the people at large, a lot of these people that I care very much for, then I would be of great concern. Nehemiah was exactly there. He was exactly there. In fact, I want to read Let's read Nehemiah 1 together. Nehemiah 1, and it says in verse 1, the words of Nehemiah the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, this is Nehemiah's brother, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah is asking them, same thing I just asked, How's, how are things in Princeton? Nehemiah, a little different, little different, but pretty much the same. He's asking his brother and certain people that have come with him that, how are things going in Jerusalem? How are things with our folks? In verse 3 it says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exiles in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So, let's talk about this for just a minute. I think if we're not careful, we dismiss, you know, this whole walls and gates you know, kind of thing is like, oh, okay, well, there was some battles and, you know, sounds like the, you know, the, the fence is down and the gates are down. We need to just, just fix the fences, right? And just, you know, go back to, you know, no big deal. No, this is a little more than that. So back at this point in history, a city like Jerusalem had to have walls and had to have gates in order to protect itself. Without walls and gates, they were open for anybody to come in. Any king at any point could say, hey, I tell you what, let's get, the, let's get the troops together. I hear Jerusalem is ripe for the picking, and let's take everybody over there, and let's just, let's just kill everybody, and let's take all of their stuff. 
That's a real easy way for us just to get a bunch of stuff, and we'll continue to get richer and richer and richer, right? We'll just keep doing this from city to city to city. And so cities had to have walls. I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of walls that just hold the cows in here, okay? I'm not talking about a fence. We're talking about walls to be able to fortify and protect themselves. Gates, same thing. Couldn't just have a cattle gate up and just, you know, a couple people manning it or something. No, we had to have gates that were for protection. His brother and his buddies come, and they say the remnant there in the province who had survived the exiles in great trouble and shame. You see, a city at that point in time, and I think we can understand like the pride of a city. I, you know, we have, you know, I think most people that live in this area, we have a pride for where we live. We have a pride for the county that we live in, although we joke about it a lot or whatever. We have a pride uh, for Nashville, uh, you know, and again, we joke about that a lot too, you know, but we have, we have a pride for that. And so, you know, for a city back then, Part of their pride was in the fact that they had great walls and great gates to be able to protect themselves from outsiders. Jerusalem was in a place where it says that the exile is in great trouble and shame. So you see where that shame comes from. They were at a point where it was like, why do we even care now? There's so many people that are gone and there's so many things that have been destroyed, and our walls are, are destroyed, and our gates are gone. It says the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Nehemiah would react, as I think most of us would react. And his reaction is in verse 4. It says, as soon as I heard these things, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was broken for his people. Nehemiah was in an interesting situation, as we'll see in just a few minutes. Uh, He was cupbearer to the king, and and this came with great responsibility, and you had to be incredibly trusted by a king to be their cupbearer, because the cupbearer to the king would be somebody who would literally taste anything the king was going to drink, and also would be trusted enough to never poison him, to never try to kill him with whatever's in the cup. You know, so this was, you know, it's a really big deal, you know. And so people would know, you know, it would, it would hopefully keep people from trying to poison the king because obviously if they tried to poison his drink, well, then the cupbearer would end up dying instead. And then, of course, you know, the king would have to get another one, but he would have been saved. Nehemiah was in a position that God had put him in. In verse 5, it goes on, it says, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant 
that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which have sinned against you. Even I, my, even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah is, is, is broken, and he's praying. He's broken, and he's praying. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't think that there's any better place to be if you are broken for a people. If you are truly broken for a people. I'm not saying you, you're kind of concerned about a people. No, I'm saying like if, if we're truly broken for people, if God truly breaks our hearts for other people in our community to know him, then we would truly be broken. And the response, I think the immediate response, and, and I think is, is correct, is what Nehemiah does. He immediately begins to pray. He immediately begins to ask God. He's seeking God's guidance. He's seeking his help. He's not only doing that, though. Nehemiah doesn't treat God like an ATM. You know how we kind of tend to treat God like an ATM sometimes when we're like, you know, we, 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 we do our little equation thing. We're like, okay, uh, well, God, uh, uh, you're great and you're awesome and thank you for saving me. Hey, God, here's what I need. You know, that, that's a lot of times the way our, you know, relationship with the Lord tends to be is, is we tend to like only think about that, you know, uh, when I need something, when we need something. And so Nehemiah doesn't do that, if you notice. Nehemiah recognizes who God is and how great he is and all those things. <coughs> oh, Lord God in heaven, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love all these, you know, all this stuff. But then immediately, what's he do? He begins to confess sin. He begins to confess sin. And, and you know, oddly enough, we don't see Nehemiah only confess his sin. We see Nehemiah confess the sin of his family. We see Nehemiah begin to confess the sin of his people. He's, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you right now on behalf of everybody I know and everybody I've ever been associated with. I'm sorry. We're sorry. We have turned our back on you. My, even my family has turned our back on you. Even my house has turned our back on you. And then Nehemiah says to God in his prayer, he says, God, do you remember what you said to Moses? Here it is in verse 8. It says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from, from there I will gather them, and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. So Nehemiah, after confessing all this sin, then he says, God, do you remember what you said to Moses? 
Do you remember the promise that you made to Moses? Do you remember what you said about how, you know, if, if, if your people are not going to follow you, that you're going to you're scatter them, you're just going to send them out, and they're not even going to be together. And that, you know, out of, out of that, out of being sent out, maybe they'll come back to you kind of a thing. That's, that's kind of the idea. Well, Nehemiah's like, God, do you remember, do you remember saying that to Moses? Do you remember saying that? you remember doing that? And then do you remember also that even though those people didn't keep your commandments, though if they came back to you, that you said you will gather them and bring them to a place that you've chosen and that your name will dwell there? Do you remember that, God? And he's saying to God, God, can you do that again? Will you do that again? Will you, will you make that promise for Moses a promise for me and for our people? And will you do something great that your name would dwell there? You, you notice Nehemiah, Nehemiah is not concerned about himself here. Nehemiah doesn't say, you know, in his prayer to God, God, will you, will you do this and will you use me so that people will think that I'm legit? Will you, will you do this so that people will think that me, Nehemiah, is the man? Nehemiah doesn't do that. Nehemiah says, will you gather them that your name will dwell there? In other words, he's saying that people will know that this was you. In verse 10, he goes on, he says, They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of the servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah is already beginning to pray that God will work in front of him to do the things that his heart is broken over, which is to save a people. He says, O Lord, verse 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear in your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This man, who is he talking about? He's not talking about God. He says that he might have mercy in the sight of this man. He's talking about his boss, the king. And then it says, now I was cupbearer to the king. All tied together. Nehemiah is asking God to begin to work in the heart of the king, that when he goes to the king, that Nehemiah will receive mercy and grace and support for this calling that he is beginning to have on his life. That's a prayer that I think we need to pray more often. God, will you work in the hearts of the people that are going to stop this from happening or help make it easier or, Lord, use other people, work in them, soften their hearts, whatever it is, that you may be glorified, that you may be made known. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. Why? Why, 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 why? We're going to see Nehemiah go through so much stuff. And why? Why? 
because he knew it was worth it. Because he knew that God had broken his heart for his people, that he wouldn't just talk about it, that he would do something about it. And that there would be great sacrifice to come along the way. One of the things that God is calling us to do in all of this is uh, to reach people we're not reaching, to be willing to go to them, make ourselves known in neighborhoods, have a presence, love on them. You know, we, we, we've started doing this after having conversations with our sheriff. You know, we, we've been doing this a little bit in the summer times, having some block parties, just going and, and giving out some food and just saying, hey, we're here, we love you, you know, and that kind of thing. And deep in my heart, every time we've gone and then we've left, I always think to myself, and now we leave. And now we leave. And the the question I've had over and over is like, how do we stay? How do we stay in these places? How do these people know that we really do love them? That we really do want to be here for them? Obviously, since then, God's put some of these things on our hearts of what that may look like. Bus ministry, Mother's Day out, it's one of the beautiful things about getting to build more kid space is we're going to be able to start a Mother's Day out ministry. You know what that means? That means because there's such a need for Mother's Day out in this area, we actually expect to start with a wait list the moment that we put it out there that we're going to do this. But you know what that means? That means that people are going to fight to bring us their children that we can teach them about Jesus. Think about that. How amazing is that? Some people were going to go get, some people are going to be fighting to get in the door all for the same purpose, all for the same thing. Um, if you want to get your little book out, page 12 has some of those ministries. You can read a little more about them and some of that kind of stuff there. Some of the other things that you'll see, obviously we're going to have offices for our staff, which is going to be amazing. And it means workspace for other people. It means we're going to have places for uh, classes to go on. If you've ever been through uh, like one of our intro to 24 classes or any of that kind of stuff, and you're out here in the foyer and you're doing that, or you know, we, we send you over to City Hall or whatever it is, uh, and we're going to be able to have a space to be able to do those kinds of things in, which is pretty awesome and amazing. And you can see the little, the little layout of the building and stuff there. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about that and what that looks like. We're glad to answer questions afterwards or anything about that too. Uh, if you haven't gotten to see this stuff before, some of you have seen this, and you're, some of you leadership and different things going to uh, hear many of these things over and over and over uh, until you feel like it's a broken record, and that's okay. We want to make sure that people understand what's going on here because this requires sacrifice. This requires sacrifice. For us to be able to do this requires sacrifice. As God has been leading us to do this, just like Nehemiah might have asked the question, why? Or maybe if he's really just driven by a passion that God has put on his heart, maybe he never asked why because he just knew the why from the get-go. 
was that it's worth it. And it's for us the same question, why? And it's because God has called us. He's given us a vision. He's given us a vision not to sit on our hands, not just to play church. He's given us a vision that we would literally be willing to go to reach our neighbors, to love them, to help them. He's given us an understanding that there are problems, problems in our community, but also problems for us to try to reach those people with the current situation of the setup of what we've got right now with needing more kid space. I don't want to get in a knife fight with one of our kids' workers. The solution is this. We've been praying over this for over a year now, asking God to lead us. God, what's it look like? Show us how to do this. Show us where, it, you know, what's, what's it even look like? And I got to tell you that for us to pull the trigger on this means that we've got to be willing to get our hands dirty. We can't, let, let's just say that you've got tons of money and you love giving it. Let's just say that that's you. If it is, I'd love to meet you after service, by the way. We need to talk. No. The truth is, is that we can't, even if, even if we were a people, which mostly we are not, even if we were a people that had lots and lots of money, we couldn't just give this away. You can't just build something and then go, oh, that's it. We, we made it, built it, you know. You know, you ever been to, if you've ever been to one of the churches, and I'm not trying to knock it or whatever, have you ever been to a church that like has a capital campaign, they're building a thing, and they got the thermometer up front? Anybody ever been to the thermometer churches? Go ahead, don't be afraid. It's all right. There's plenty of us in here. There's a bunch in the first, too. Yeah, so we're not doing the thermometer thing. And the reason we're not doing the thermometer thing is because when you get to the end of the thermometer thing, it's kind of like, we made it. We're good. Now we can just kind of sit back and hang out, right? No. No. There's, no. there's no sit back and hang out stage in this plan. This is a get your hands dirty, get ready to roll. If we say that we want to, if we feel called to bring families, bring children here to be a part of our family, I've already heard some of you say stuff like, you know, I think, I think part of what we need to do is we need to feed them while we're here. And I'm like, well, that's great. Are you Burger King? How are we going to do that? What's that look like? That looks like getting your hands dirty, doesn't it? It's like, well, what if, you know, what if we got a kid that comes in here and their parents aren't with them, but they rode the bus in and then they beat my kid up? Well, then, I don't know, we'll pray for them, right? I, what, I mean, we're going to get our hands dirty. Our kids are going to get beat up, you know? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because the why is worth it. Because there's people that need Jesus, and it makes the work worth it. It makes the sacrifice worth it. It makes the money worth it. It's crazy. It's crazy. But God, God doesn't call us to sane things. Have you ever noticed that? Has God, when's the last time God said to you, I want you to go do that. That seems like the most normal, just, you know. I mean, everything that I can think of in my life that God has ever called me to do with clarity of like, this is going to be great for the kingdom of God. I'm just like, oh, okay, God, if you say so, you know.
there's an urgency to this. So, Chris, what if we wait a little while longer and we, you know, I, you know what? I think we've waited long enough. We've been praying, going, God, you just lead us, help us to see what it is you want us to do. Folks, there's an urgency. If you don't think there's an urgency, then I invite you to come ride with me in my car the next time I go stand in a hospital hallway with a family after they've lost their loved one. And then you tell me, Chris, there's no urgency. It doesn't matter when we get around to doing this. Folks, there are people that don't know Jesus that are what we call our neighbors, that we don't mind having conversations with them on a Cheatham County Facebook page. But what are we doing to lead them to the Lord? Let's just get real about that. And let's just get real. There's a whole bunch of them that don't know the Lord. And truthfully, some of those people are yearning for community with other people. I mean, they are, they are starving for relationships. They would love to have people that would love them. They would love it. And through the love of Jesus, might they come to know who he is. This means that we are called to action. Action. And sometimes action comes with a price tag. Literally. And the truth is, is that for us as a church, we've never had, you know, these big cat, big, you know, somebody that's got a whole lot of money and they're helping fund the thing or, you know what. It, it's always been this, folks. Here's what it's been. It's always been a whole bunch of people, the body together collectively being faithful with what God is leading them to do to see the vision go forward. It's always been that. We've never had somebody writing big checks to make things. I mean, it's just, it's just the way the Lord's designed it for us. Now, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I mean, we can do what Nehemiah did. We can just sit down and say, God, will you bring some of those people? I mean, I'm okay with that. But here's the truth of it is I really believe that the Lord is doing this right now, even for us as a church, that he is leading all of us to collectively together say, God, what's it look like for me to be faithful to you right now with my finances, with my time, with my talents, with my whatever, whatever you give me with my home? How can I open my home, Lord, to allow people to be a part, like what Carol was talking about on that video? Oh, honey, I don't know if we can have people over to the house, you know. I've got that, uh, I've got that nice collection of precious moments. <laughs> and, you know, some, I've seen some of those kids at church, especially some of the preacher's kids. I mean, those kids would break just about anything, you know. Like, we, we, can't, we can't be letting people in our house. We just got it all perfect looking like a museum up in here, Right? And folks, let me tell you, if that's what we really think God gave us houses for, don't be surprised if it burns down one day. Sometimes he has to take away the things for us to see what really matters. You see, if, if, if it's true that we're really going to be broken for people, we're really going to be called to what God is leading us to do, that for us as a people, we, we've got to be willing to go all the way. 
and it changes how we look at everything. It changes how we look at everything. If you look, uh, just real quick, I just want to point this out, page 15, because I want people to be clear on what we're trying to do here. We'll, we'll be talking about this a whole lot more in the days ahead. We're trying to raise above our normal budget money, which our budget this year is $500,000, and we're projecting a budget next year as growth continues to happen for five fifty. dollars okay? And that sounds like a lot of money, but I'm going to tell you, when you're trying to do what we're trying to do as a church and you're trying to fund things like uh, different ministries and pay salaries of different people. And by the way, if you are, haven't ever seen our budget and you want to see it, we're very transparent with that. If you added up all the people that we're trying to pay and you looked at the number of what, what we're trying to pay, in case you didn't know, everybody, all of our pastors, every one of our pastors, including me, has some other something that they do to help uh, bring in money to help take care of their families. And that's, that's okay. That's the way the Lord has given us this opportunity to do this. It's not always easy but he has taken care of us through it. I say that to say this. Again, not a whole lot of money. On top of that, we're trying to raise, and so I come to you saying this on behalf of my family too, we will be praying about what is it that God is leading us to give? What is God calling us to do in the midst of this? So we're looking at, if you look at that page, you see the 500 and the 550. That's just the normal budget. That's like cruise control. That's us just doing what we're doing already, okay? And then you see that 700 number. Now, keep in mind that this is over two years. So that breaks down as 350 a year. And so our goal is to try to raise an extra 350 a year to do what we're trying to do. If we can do that and put that, that money, an extra $700,000 toward the construction loan at the end of two years, we will have ourselves a payment for our building that is pretty close within $500 of the payment that we have right now, which is crazy to me. I don't know how that even happens, but it does. There's, there's more details to all this and some of that. We're glad to talk about that if you want to know. This is an investment for us. This is an investment in the family that we're called to. This is an investment for the gospel. It is an investment for the mission in which God is putting in front of us to minister and reach people. It takes sacrifice. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Deny himself, sacrifice. Take up his cross, sacrifice. Follow me, sacrifice. You, you, you see, if, let's just take the middle one. If we take up our cross, and we're doing that in light of how Jesus took up his cross, that means that we're saying, I will lay my life down for the cause of Jesus, whatever that looks like. Don't tell me that that doesn't change everything that we do. And I know for a lot of us, we just say, Chris, I'll be honest, you know, we don't have a lot of money or whatever it is. I, I get it. I'm with you. I'm, I understand that. I really do. I've been there. I'll say this. I think that we all in America spend money in ways that we don't even realize that we spend money. We spend money on coffee. 
We spend money on hot chicken, whatever it is, you know. And sacrifice is exactly what it sounds like. It means giving something up. I know for me and my family, one of the things that God has always led us to do, and this is part of how I was raised, my parents taught me to give, uh, and they, and they, they kind of they taught me from the tithe standpoint of like 10%, give 10% of whatever you earn and that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, I've, I've always tried to be faithful with that. And as I grew in my walk with the Lord, I realized that, you know, the Lord doesn't want me to be legalistic with even my giving, and it's not about that. It doesn't have to be 10%. That's a great place to start. And, and so over the years, we've tried to challenge ourselves that we would do more than that. We always try to give before we pay our bills. We're not you know, whatever, enticed to, you know, well, maybe we ought to hold back a little extra so we can, you know. And, uh, and there are so many stories in my family's life. I, I, I can tell you about a day when a basket of fruit showed up with a card. It had $100 in it. I can tell you, you have no idea how that saved our family that week. I've shared this story recently, and there's a couple of them like it, where things that have just happened out of the blue. There was one week shortly after starting the church. I don't know, we were probably a year into starting the church or something. And we weren't going to have the money to pay our bills. And Aaron told me beginning of the week, she's like, I'm, I'm writing our bills, and I'm about to do our online giving and all that stuff for church. I'm just letting you know. I, don't, I know you're not going to, I know you're going to say, go ahead and and give as we've been called to give and all that kind of stuff. I'm just letting you know we're going to be short like 800 and something dollars, and by the end of the week, we're going to be past due on a couple of bills. That never happened to us before. The youth pastor job that I had back in the day, it paid really well. It was great. It was a big church. We were very blessed. We still are. And in that moment, I just said, yeah, let's just be, you know, it was, we, we both knew we're just going to give, we're just going to follow through with it. Later that week, toward the end of the week, you know, she's, you know, if you had any ideas, like, I'm, I don't have any ideas. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess, I don't know, whether they going to come turn stuff off or something? I don't know. And she said, I, you know, I don't know either. We'll find out. And I'm out riding around doing something. She calls me and she says, hey, do you remember the termite company that we used in the town that we had just moved from? And I said, yeah, I remember. And, um, and, and she said, was it called such and such? I said, no, that's not it. It's, it's this. It's something else. And I remembered it very clearly. And she said, well, we got, a, we got a check from a termite company down there. And Chris, she said, you're not going to believe this. It is down to the dollar what we need to pay our bills this week. She said, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to get in your car, and I want you to drive as fast as you can to the bank and deposit that sucker before somebody changes their minds. <laughs> and she did. And, and, and folks, let me, let me just be real clear here. There's been plenty of times in my life that I have not been faithful to the Lord, okay? This isn't a story of like you get to go, oh, our pastor's so faithful. No, this is a story of how God is faithful. It's a story of his faithfulness. 
It's a story of recognizing that, that, that we see God for who he is. He's the provider. He's the one. He's the one that's going to pay the bills. And he does. And he's calling us to a little sacrifice. And I don't know what that looks like for you personally. And, and listen, I don't want there to even be guilt involved. That's not us. That's not 24. It's not my heart. It's not the heart of this church. We don't guilt people into giving. Scripture is very clear that we should give out of joy. All I'm saying is that I believe that God is calling 100% of this church body, if this is your church home, to go to the Lord, seek him, and ask him, what does it look like for me to be faithful with all of my things, including my money? What's that look like? I don't know. It looks different for everybody. There's even a little commitment card thing in here. If you want to check that out, you can see that. It's on uh, page 19. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Here's the thing. I'm not, I didn't bring you in here today and say, hey, you know, come up, with a, come, up with some, come up with an amount today of what God. No, 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 no. You need to go and you need to pray. And you need to let the Lord lead you to what that looks like. I can't tell you what that looks like. Nobody else can tell you what that looks like. You pray and seek the Lord about what that looks like. He's calling us to sacrifice. And I think it's good for us to remember that Christ himself sacrificed it all. Even today, our membership is going to meet after this service for a few minutes to pray and, and move forward even with what God is calling us to, which is an awesome thing. You can be praying for us. Even if you're not a member here, be praying for us. Be praying for us as a church that God would leave us, that God would lead us in doing so. You can also, if you notice, there's a place for sermon notes in the back for each week of the weeks that we have coming up. And next to that, we have questions that in your micro church you can go over and come back and say, hey, what's, what's God doing in your heart here? What is God saying in Nehemiah here? What does that look like for us as individuals, what's that look like for us as a church? I encourage you to take that. If you're not in a micro church, maybe it's a good time to get in one. Maybe this is a great season for you to maybe say, you know what, this would be fantastic for my family right now. Nehemiah was broken and he prayed. He was broken and he prayed. You know, if every time we were broken about anything, and prayer was the first thing we did, our lives would be a lot better, wouldn't they? We'll continue to see what Nehemiah is being led to do in the weeks to come next week and in the weeks to follow. But I think something worth noting today, and I want this to be clear for us as a church. Nehemiah didn't care about the walls and the gates. Nehemiah did not care about the walls and the gates. He cared about the people. He cared about the people. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be grateful for whatever we do, whatever we feel led to do, whatever we build. I'm going to be grateful. I don't want to sound ungrateful when I say this, but I want you to hear me clearly. I don't care about the walls and the gates. We don't need to be caring too much about the walls and the gates because they're just tools for us to care about the people.
The sacrifice is worth it. The investment is worth it. And it will all be worth it because he is worth it. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for leading us clearly to understand what it looks like to follow you in just even small ways. Lord, we don't always see it. We don't always know. A lot of times we're stepping into the darkness, just not sure where we're going to step next. But Lord, you're leading us. And God, we pray that you would continue to lead us, continue to remind us of your faithfulness. God, may we be faithful like you are faithful to us. God, help us to see who you're called who you're calling us to be, who you're calling us to reach, how you're calling us to do it. God, I pray that we would be broken for a people. God, I pray that we would see that all of the work is worth it. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. May we go from this place as your faithful people, willing to glorify you, and make you known in all we do. We ask this in your name. Amen.